Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and in today's show, I was joined by Dave Barker to talk about collecting competitive intel. Dave and I talked about how he actually finds quality competitive intel both internally and externally within the amount of information that's available, and how he presents these insights collected for different audiences. We also got into the best questions that you should be asking within your win-loss program and why that's so critical to fueling your competitive program. Also, before we get into the episode, I do have some housekeeping notes. Over at Clue, we are excited to announce our inaugural Competitive Enablement Summit hosted virtually on October 27th and the 28th. So save the date. There's going to be more information coming out soon. But this event is going to have some of the brightest minds talking about competitive strategy, selling, differentiation, enablement, you name it. So I can't wait to share more with you all soon. All right, with that sorted, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I am joined by Dave Barker. He is the principal at Antoine Barker Consulting Solution. And Dave has an extensive experience in global enterprise software across various roles. And in his most recent position as well, he was in charge of building the competitive program at Workforce from the ground up. Dave, how are you? Very well, thanks, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited for you to join us today. And the main thing we want to get into, I think, is how do you start from scratch? How do you get content if there's nothing existing or the things that do exist are out of date, they're out of touch, and they're not getting used? So first things first, what matters when you're building content? What's fluff, what's noise, and what's valuable when you when you really want to start things off? Sure, thank you. Um, yeah, I think the most important thing is to really understand who your audience is. Um, obviously, competitive intelligence can serve a lot of stakeholders within the business, uh, whether it's a sales team, which is the usual place you might start, uh, the product team, uh, executives, marketing, and so on. So as long as you and, you, and you can't, from day one, satisfy everybody. So really understand who it is you're targeting. I say typically it's probably your sales team. Um, who need that that kind of tactical knowledge. Um, And that really helps you decide what's going to be relevant and what's not. Um, Because it's it's very tempting to just scoop up as much information as you possibly can, but you'll become overwhelmed. Um, And then if you try and push it out to your audience, they'll become overwhelmed as well. In in your experience too, is there like, because you've got a decent amount of experience, you kind of know where to look now? in in finding intel in your first couple times going through this was there what are the some of the things that like your eyes lit up like oh this looks like good information or oh this like collect more of this more of this and what kind of stuff didn't actually really help perhaps what's what's less uh, useful i found particularly when you're at first trying to provide that tactical information for the sales team is is things like uh, financial information about how much um, uh, investment a firm has got. The interesting one really is also the um, various review sites um, that are out there. There's a lot out there where users' solutions can go and um, give their opinions of the software they're using. For a popular software package or popular product, there are thousands of them. So wading through to try and find the the really insightful information is a bit of a challenge. So I, I tend to, whilst look at them, 
use those less. Also for any listeners, Dave wrote a really good article on LinkedIn about there's this four-step process to competitive intelligence and the collection one that I, that I was reading yesterday is it's really good. And one of the, one of the parts that we've kind of touched on here is desk research and then field intel. Let's start with the field intel. Who are the most important for getting intel? And what's the first steps in kind of getting them on board to meet with you and share what they know? I guess there's two, there's two categories, and the ones you always start with are your in, internal people within your own company. It's they're easier to get to before you start going outside. But uh, internally, to persuade people to kind of become part of the program, that's um, part of the the pre-launch of a program to really explain the benefits to uh, the sales team that that they will get out of the program, um, but and explain to them that it is only through them contributing that they're going to get stuff out. You know, it's, it's very much a, a win-win both ways. Um, you know, the, the two key uh, groups there, I'd say, are the, uh, the pre-sales team, so the sales engineers and, and the sales teams themselves. Um, probably starting with the, the, the pre-sales team. In my experience, they tend to have a longer history with your company and they seem to hang around for a while. And they also have a broader perspective, I think, that in that they will work with a lot of different sales teams across a lot of different potentially vertical markets, uh, multiple customers and so on. Um, so they're not so focused on the, the kind of the last deal. Um, having said that, though, they also tend to be more knowledgeable about features and functionality. They'll, they'll typically be sitting in a, um, a sales demo, perhaps presenting your own product, um, and they'll they'll pick up uh, nuggets of information from the prospect who will say, oh, so-and-so doesn't do that or so-and-so does that so much better. Um, so they, they, they tend to be more kind of product focused rather than um, perhaps sales tactics and some of the other things that uh, the sales team will give them. That makes sense. I'm, I'm curious as well for, for listeners as well, what are some of the the questions you actually ask the pre-sales team to get the answers you want, because I think that's there's an art to that actually is asking the right questions to get the right answers. Sure. Um, so I was um, even even if I've got what I think is my my list of competitors I want to um, talk about, I will always start an interview by asking them kind of two two things. One, understand a bit about the individual's background. Um, what markets have they been serving? Um, what if you've got a range of products, which products are they more familiar with? That helps to eliminate any and understand any bias they might have. Um, and then secondly, I always ask people, you know, from your perspective, what are the top five competitors um, that, that you're seeing? Um, that may or may not correspond to the list that I'm, I'm starting with, but that, that's a way of expanding the, the list. And then I follow that up with another general question, kind of what changes have they seen in the landscape, the competitive landscape? over the last 12 to 18 months, again, before starting to, to dig into specific competitors. So when I go into that, uh, typically ask them in, in their view, what are the strengths and weaknesses of, of the competitors' products compared to your own? The other, the other thing that I ask about is also kind of what tactics have they seen the competitors um, use um, and were they successful and similarly what tactics they've, they've used to, to counter those as well. Um, so trying to move away from the specific features and functions um, to understand some of the sales tactics that are, that are in use. The, you mentioned that I think it's just 
human nature to have a bit of a bias or even a focus on like the most recent deal. When I think that points to the importance of having a win-loss program established and something that isn't just a reliance on yourself, Dave, talking to a salesperson like, why do you lose that rep? Because I'm not saying that this is the case for all reps, but no one wants to say that like it's hard for someone that's in that deal in that. And it could be a sales cycle. That's been like months. It, it might've been a slow. It might've just been like, it's a real grind. And it's hard to really, if you're in that for that long to have a really good perspective as to why you won, why you lost. So I'm curious on your end, like how important has it been to have a win loss program that isn't just a reliance on talking to the sales team? Oh, absolutely. Really key. Um, and I would always start my win loss programs um, with the sales team to, you know, to get whatever background out of it. Um, then you can get but you're right they um they, they, they won't always have that clear view so wherever possible um either to start with try and talk you know as as running the ci program um try and get those interviews with with prospects that you've, you've lost or customers that you've won work on the proposal with the sales team it, it goes into the prospect and you never get any really good feedback yes you're through to the next stage or no you're not but again, the win-loss is another great opportunity to go back and get that feedback, um, how the how the proposal was was received, both in terms of quality and pricing and, and so on. And then bring it right up through um, to the, the end of the sales cycle. Why did we win? Why did we lose? Oftentimes, uh, you know, a salesperson will, will probably tell you that you know, one of the reasons you lost was some gap, gap in the product, because that's an easy thing to say. And it's if you dig down, then there's usually not much behind that um but but talking to the prospect you can usually get deeper deeper than that and it's also there you can you know what's their view now although typically this is before the solution may have been implemented you know what's their ongoing view of your your company um would they recommend you to someone else would they be willing to act as a reference site and things like that so that that whole win loss is a really useful part of competitive intelligence and going beyond it really um, the other thing, you know, once you, you get a program running, depending on your, on your budget and whatever, I would certainly recommend people consider the option of going to third parties to start to do some of those interviews as well. Because, uh, again, some prospects and customers will be hesitant at uh, revealing too much to your, to your company. If they're dealing with a third party, quite often they will open up much further. And, of course, those, those third parties are, are very skilled in, in interviewing and so on. I want to jump back to collecting field intel as well. I know we talked about sales and the pre-sales teams as sources of intel, and that that's natural. I think sales, you have to get sales on board. You have to get a lot of the information from their heads that's kind of sitting in these silos. But also, are there other roles that you go to to collect early um, intel within the organization? Yeah, so certainly one, one thing I use quite a lot is um, really anyone in the business that has recently been recruited from a competitor. Um, that, um, one thing I would say, first of all, that, that needs to be handled very ethically. Um, you know, make it clear to who you're talking to. You, you do not expect them to break any confidences or confidentiality agreements, whatever. But it doesn't matter whether that person is in, in development or marketing or sales or whatever. They will probably better you know, give, give you some useful snippets of information about the competitor, wherever they are in the business. Um, but then, yeah, you know, the product team, again, your product team can benefit from competitive intelligence, but oftentimes they will um, 
maybe from attending conferences, um, attending trade shows and that sort of thing. Again, they can pick up some good intel about the competition that uh, can, can contribute to the program. And so what we talked about in the initial few questions there about like, what are, what are the other sources of content, um, competitive content? Uh, what's noise? What's useful? I'm curious, what, what are the external sources that you use and what is that typically used for compared to the intel you gather from, from the field? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there, there's a, a huge amount of information now. It's, it's one of, you know, I guess, the the benefits of the, of the internet and what that's brought us. So much information is published, but again, it, it gives us a challenge because you can just get completely snowed under. Um, I mentioned briefly, you know, certainly your competitors' websites. I would, I would always um, spend time um, looking at those. Um, and if you've got appropriate tools, set them up to track significant changes in, in your competitors' websites. But the sort of things you're looking at is, is the position, positioning and messaging that, that your competitors are putting forward. Um, that really tells you what they think, uh, what they want the market to think of them. Um, information about recent customer wins. Now, again, not all of those are of particular interest. If it's just another customer, the competitor is one. Um, but if it's a if it's a customer in a new market that they haven't um, been successful in the past, it, it could be an anomaly or worth keeping an eye on in case it's a change of strategy um, and your competitor moving into new markets. Um, similarly with customer information, if a customer case study disappears off a um, competitor's website, um, that, that may be a, an indication of an unhappy customer or uh, that sort of thing. Um, Always good to keep an eye on, on leadership changes. Uh, most companies will, will publish their, their leadership. Again, if, if you see a, a new person coming in with perhaps a new role that wasn't there before, that may indicate opening up a new market. That's of, of definite interest. What, what kind of positions would those would those look like in the leadership? What is there anything that you've noticed in your time where like you've seen a leadership change and it's been something you immediately pinpoint and went, ooh, that's something yeah. different. So it, you might see bringing someone in specifically um, for a company that hadn't in the past, um, let's say if they were a software company, hadn't done much in the way of professional services before, and then suddenly they bring in a very seasoned executive to um, really boost um, their professional services capability. It's a, an indication of a new capability. Or someone coming in and they emphasize in, in their, their bio a particular strength in a uh, vertical market that the competitor hadn't been in before. Um, again, I've seen that happen. I'm curious, in in your experience, if you could if you could put a number to like how much time you spent collecting intel from the field and how much you spent collecting externally, what would that look like? It's it, it probably very. So when you when you're first starting up. Um, you're probably going to spend a lot more time proportionally on, on the external stuff and sifting through finding what is available and deciding what, what you want to track going forward. Um, but then once, once the program's up and running and you're continually monitoring it, then, then probably it's more of a 50-50 split in that you, you want to get those human stories from the sales team as they go out and um, deal with more customers and prospects. Um, and you've, hopefully automated some of the, the data capture um, of, of those external sources that you've, you've realized are of relevance and of use to your program. 
I'm curious, is, is some of this external research, is that, does that typically, does that typically go to exec teams more to consume? That's more the sort of source you'll use for the exec, exec stuff rather than for the, the day-to-day stuff that sells reps. Um, yes, and, and so certainly things like um, significant news releases, uh, a company's made an acquisition or they've received a major in, injection of capital or something, then yeah, that, that's the sort of thing that's going to inform uh, senior executives. But you, you're going to want to uh, consider it and, and try and provide some kind of uh, analysis of, of why it might be important before passing it on. Um, whereas, you know, perhaps a, a news of a, a customer win um, in, in a particular vertical, you might want to pass on to your sales team um, that, that operates in that vertical, for example. Is there anything else on this early collection side of things in your experience that you found to be very helpful? Or, or even something you learned that was like, oh, I wasted a lot of time doing this. <laughs> it's, um, I, I guess the other thing that certainly in the early research is really useful, if you can get hold of them, are the reports that some of the big analyst firms put out, the, the likes of Gartner and Forrester and so on. Um, I mean, typically those reports, um, they're, they're taking a fairly unbiased view across the market, maybe listing their 10 to 20 um key suppliers in a particular market segment. Um, Those reports are typically for their own clients. But what I found is often if if the report is particularly glowing for one particular supplier, then that supplier may buy the reprint reprint rights, um, which allow them to distribute it. And it, you know, you don't have to be uh, underhand, you can, you know, as long as you're willing to give your email address, you can sign up with that competitor, get a copy of the report and see what those third parties are looking at, how they're positioning you against the competition. So those I found have been really useful. When you're pulling all of this together for, let's say specifically for reps right now, the competitive Intel, how do you do it in a way that doesn't overload them? Because yeah, you've just taken in a lot of information. You're trying to pull what's the most important but then the next part is actually sharing it to end users in a way that they're actually going to be more likely to come back to. So I think for for what sales reps need is that they they need the information when they need it, um, and so the the idea of having the battle cards that they can go to when they find they're competing against a particular um, supplier. Um, and having all the latest information there in a simple format, they can get an overview very easily, but then being able to drill down if they want more detail, I think I think is key. Um, so for example, you know, try to keep up to date the list of, of wins and losses against com- competitors. Um, so that they, the rep can see from the battle card, oh, you know, last month we won these three deals um, in this vertical against this particular competitor. I think providing the background, the information they might want, you know, who was who the rep that sold that? So maybe they just want to go off and have a chat with them. Um, but present it, I say, top, top down so that uh, um, they can get an overview with just one view of one screen or something on a system. Um, without, whereas pushing out regular updates every week to them, it, 99% of the time that's going to be irrelevant for them because they're not competing against whoever you're pushing information out about that week. They, they need to be able to go and proactively get it. That's interesting. The... The idea of obviously it's something that we've talked about a lot on this show already is information overload. 
with sales reps and a lot of a lot of information compared to usable information and at the end of the day you could have paragraphs and paragraphs but if that's not relevant to them in that moment then that's worth nothing rather than like you said there three most recent wins and a boom 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 high level this is this is why we're winning this is why we're losing that's way more applicable to them in terms of the structuring of battle cards themselves i'm curious if do you have a way of kind of we like to use the word breadcrumbing a bit. Is there anything, like, how, how do you go about doing that where you can lead them, you said, give them the option to drill down a little bit deeper if they so please? So I think one thing's key is to have all of your sales-focused battle cards consistent in terms of how they're laid out so that um, once they start using the system, then they're used to, they know, they know what they're looking at. Um, Make it very clear on the individual cards that um, what, what it's about, um, whether it's a quick company overview or recent win data, recent loss data, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and just, just keep it you know, short paragraphs, bullet points, that are really um, focused on what they want, but then use hyperlinks and whatever's about to drill down to, to whatever they need. But, but the key is really trying to keep it up to date um, with all, all the latest information. Um, that's the only way that you help to improve the, the engagement of the sales team. You know, if they think everything's out of date and there's been no updates for nine months, then they, they won't use it and they won't contribute either. So, The sales are the lifeblood of your competitive program. Like they are kind of the engine that keeps it running in terms of providing information, using information and being able to kind of prove the impact of your competitive program. I am curious though, we, we've talked a lot about sales, but what about providing information to other teams? Like your, let's start with say your exec team. How do you provide information to them and how does that differ from what you would do with sales? Yeah. So, so I think for, for sales, it's the always there battle card type thing is, is most important. I think for the executive team, uh, there's two things. One is probably around about a quarterly, ideally kind of in-person presentation of the, the strategic aspects of the, the competitive market you're in. You know, um, summary of the, the big movements, um, predictions for, for what's going on in the future. Um, so gives them that overview. Um, when you've got them focused, they know, you know what are they going to sit down with you for an hour or whatever it is and, and actually see that. Follow, follow it up, obviously, with copies of your slides or whatever you use. But to complement that also, if there are any key news items that are really strategic, making sure you get those out to them as quickly as possible, ideally with a bit of commentary. So yeah, if if two of your competitors merge, um, the moment you pick that up uh, and hopefully your system's got all the alerts in to to kind of flag that up to you, um, do an assessment of what this might mean and get that off to the execs there and then. Context and commentary you mentioned on information. I think that's something that can be that's a lesson to be used across across the board, right? Again, again, it ties back to just collecting all of this tons of information, but there's no why behind it. And I think yeah. that's a really key skill with someone that's in charge of competitive is just that little, because you're doing a little bit extra legwork for the consumer, right? Absolutely. And, and that's a real value add, I think, for particularly the sales team that um, you're, you're taking away work. I mean, they could probably work it out for themselves. But that's not the point. You want a better give them the information and what it means to them and what it means to their deals there and then. 
Uh, another one is the product team. I think the product team is also, you mentioned as well, when you're collecting field and total, you actually really like talking with them as well. And it turns towards more like feature function, which isn't the best kind of information from a sales perspective, but it is still really important. How do you share information back to a product team? What does that look like? And what is kind of the goal when you're sharing Intel with them? Between the always on stuff for the sales team and then the, the quarterly stuff, for typically product and um, exec team, it's also, it is useful to have a regular, maybe biweekly, maybe monthly kind of newsletter that goes out to the whole of the business, um, just summarizing the, the latest stuff. Um, it, 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 it keeps the visibility for the CI function um, and, and reminds people, you know, someone in your professional services team might, might see the, uh, the, the newsletter and it might trigger them, their mind. Oh, last week I was with a customer that mentioned, you know, when they were selecting our system, the, the competitor couldn't do X, Y, or Z. Um, they might not proactively have thought of passing out information into your team, um, but the, the newsletter can be a trigger to um, help. I, I always put a, a plea at the end of, uh, of the newsletters to uh, please, you know, if you, if you think you know anything that might be useful, no matter how trivial, then just pass it on. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's, it's like a regular cadence, right? It's being yeah. present and just people are busy. People are really busy and it's through no fault of their own that they're not going to always think, oh, I got to feed this back to the competitive program. So it's on you to be present and given that regular cadence and that visibility through something as simple and passive as a newsletter. It's, it's, I think it's a really interesting tactic. I also wanted to get into, I, I realized you've spent a lot of time at enterprise companies, massive companies, and even yeah. running competitive at an enterprise company. When we, when we get to that collection side, how do you know what sales reps to interview first? when you're trying to collect Intel or what people on the product team, how do you go about really collecting information in the most efficient way as possible? Because you've got hundreds of people across the org all over the globe. So I guess, I guess I've been fairly fortunate, even though I've worked with some big companies, they've been kind of relatively small sales forces um, in the probably less than a hundred usually. Um, I like to get into a, a cadence with them. Um, ideally I'd like to at least, speak to one or two representatives of each group of sales you know, um, teams, whether it's in, in a region or a, or a ver industry vertical or something or on a quarterly basis. Um, I usually keep an eye on the data that should be in the CRM system. Um, again, uh, who's, who's been winning, who's been losing against who. If I'm researching a particular competitor, then I'll, I'll obviously use that data to go and find out, okay, who's beaten that competitor recently, who's been losing to it, and go and target those reps. Um, but also as part of then the ongoing program, as part of the, the kind of win-loss, um, try and get around the teams on a regular basis um, before they've forgotten too much about the deals they've, they've worked on. Um, so yeah, try and do it that way. That's, that's interesting. You, you mentioned the dreaded words of CRM data. That is, yes. <laughs> that can be, that that's, can be incredibly messy, but it can also, when it's done right, it is kind of, it's what drives a competitive program, just having that clean data in your CRM, especially in that competitive field. So yeah, looking yeah, at your it, salespeople. It, it's an ongoing challenge. And again, you know, every, every time you talk to um, 
anybody, particularly in the sales organization, just, just remind them that, you know, how useful that information is, but also respect the fact that, you know, they don't already always know. You can't necessarily criticize a sales rep every time they don't fill in the competitor or they put other uh, more unknown because that, that could well be the case. Um, but certainly I, I found in the past that, you know, over time, uh, if you start to focus on it, you can improve the, you can improve the quality of the data. And, you know, when, when you, when you talk to a salesperson about a deal, they may not have put all the information in, but I just put that information in for them after I've done the interview, um, if we're talking about a particular deal. My, my last question, I guess, as well, we, we, I kind of jumped back to collection there, sorry, but in terms of that early distribution, is there is there a lesson? What's the biggest lesson you've learned in your time in terms of this distribution piece? It's getting finding ways to to, to get the salespeople to to use it and, and i think uh, you talked to alex about this topic you know, a, a couple of podcasts ago and i certainly recommend people go back and listen to that one as well um but it's all about getting that engagement of the sales the sales team um and the busy people um they got a lot going on um you have to, be able to demonstrate there is value in what you've got there so so putting good quality information out there um, and probably focusing on some of the key competitors rather than going broad to start with, keep it narrow so it goes deep as possible um, to really understand a few competitors um, and, and find some champions in the, in the organization that are, you know, if, if you get a few sales, uh, influential salespeople who find value, they'll talk to their colleagues uh, about it and, um, and spread the word. And that's how you get more engagement. Definitely. I remember that conversation with Alex. One of the biggest things I took is start small and then grow. And I think that's in terms of serving the sales force, you find your early champions. But then also, as you mentioned there, find instead of trying to provide all the information on all the competitors, find a few that are bugging them the most, that are the pain in, pain in their side in this moment, and try to provide some relief with information. And then that's how you will earn some more credibility. Dave, it was great to have you join us today. That was, a, that was a lot of information. I think this collection piece, especially for people starting off from scratch, is, is really valuable. It's, it can be daunting, I think. Where, where do you start? Where do you go? And some of the, some of the advice you gave there was, was really applicable. So thank you for joining me. And yeah, we'll talk to everyone next week.